Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, it sure is good to be back together. Uh, What an amazing 2016, huh? Yeah? Oh, not for everybody. Okay. Some of you are thankful it's over. (laughs) Like, we're going to hang that one up. We're going to move on a little bit. You know what I'm saying? No, it was a great 2016. Tons of transition for my family. Anybody else experience a little transition in 2016? Enormous amount of transition. I got two new kids, moved into a new city. All right, started a new job and planted a new church. It's a lot of new in 2016. But we're believing not just for our family, but for us as a church family, that 2017 is going to be marked with establishment. You want some roots to go deep? Yeah, you ready to let that anchor sink deep a little bit into the ground and allow the foundations to continue to grow? And that's what we really believe. We believe that 2017 is going to be a year of establishment for us as a church family and as God has given us such an amazing start. I mean, this is crazy, guys, that we've only been a church for three months. It's unbelievable, really. You might not know that it's so crazy because you've just been coming. You're like, oh, yeah, this is normal, but this is not normal. Okay, God is doing a really cool thing here, and we're so fired up just to have front row seats to watch him be himself. And, and one of the things that we really have been leaning into is this idea of seeing our church become more established. And so kind of like the way that this works practically is that we're a church plant. We planted this church. And we were, some of you know this, we were sent from another church in Waco, Texas to come and plant this church here in Austin. And so the beginning stages of that, we have been functioning and living on what is called support. So we've been living by faith. Liz and I's salary as well as the resources that are needed to see this happen week in and week out has all been provided by people who believe in what's happening here and believe in us and believe in the vision and the dream that God's put inside of us. But one of the major kind of milestones in a church making a transition from being a church plant to being a local church is when that church crosses that very important threshold of being able to be self-sustained, where literally the the church is able to support the salary of the senior pastor is kind of the first big milestone in that map of seeing us transition from being a church plant to being a local church. And I have some incredible news that last week Liz and I signed the paperwork to become the first employees of Antioch Austin. We're already there three months in. Such an amazing deal for that to happen. And, and really, guys, it's just we feel like that's just a, a snapshot of the favor of God on this house that we're able to three months in cross that massive milestone. And just so you can understand how unique that is, is that we have over 30 U.S. church plants in the Antioch movement, the Antioch family of churches. And usually it takes years, literally years, for the senior pastor to be able to cross that threshold from not getting their support from outside the church, but really being funded from inside the church. And, and we're just overwhelmed, honestly, guys. We're overwhelmed that three months in, 
that we're now employees of Antioch Austin, and, and we just think that that's just the, the beginnings of some amazing things that are going to be happening as a church. So really cool. Way to go, guys. Uh, we're overwhelmed by it. What a strong start to the year we had last week with Liz. For those of you who were here, she, she kind of preached a message about dreaming with God, and she looked at this reality that we have an opportunity to live in the as-it-is-in-heaven reality on earth, and, and really looking at this new year as an opportunity for new dreams, and, and dreams are so important, right? Goal setting and dreams and, and looking ahead are, are so critically important to the beginning of the year. How many of you actually set some goals and maybe dream some new dreams within the past couple of weeks thinking about this new year? Anybody? Just a couple of us. Okay, not very many ambitious people here this morning, but we hope to get you there by the end of our time, all right? So it's important, and it's important to start strong, right? Anybody, any starters in the house? Anybody like to start stuff? I love to start stuff, and let's just be honest. There really, you can boil down humanity into two groups of people. You have starters, and you have finishers, right? Now, now they're usually not the same person. If you are the same person, good on you, right? But most of us are either incredible at starting things, and so your garage is filled with tons of amazing starts. But we're not really good at finishing, right? And then others of you judge starters because you're finishers. And so when you see a starter get fired up about the new thing that they're going to do and how it's going to revolutionize everything, you see past the hype of new and you become very clear on what it's going to take for this new start to be finished. And so you are not necessarily excited at the start of things because you're aware of what this is going to mean for those of you who actually follow through on things. And so all the finishers in the house like to judge the starters because you're tired of people starting stuff that they're not going to finish. And all the starters in the house judge finishers because you're tired of people judging you when you're trying to do something new right? But, but as we kind of grow and mature and, and learn what it means to, to finish what we start, right, they kind of cross that threshold of maturity, you never necessarily get good at finishing if you're a starter, but you begin to value finishing because you realize that, man, it really feels good to finish something versus just kind of letting it linger on and, and be this project that never ends. I love strong starts. I love to start strong. And as I started thinking about, man, that what's what really is the differentiator between people who finish what they start and people that don't? Like, what does that really mean? Like, what, what, is there a common factor when we really look at folks that started out on a goal or on a path and said, I'm going to do this or I'm going to change this about my life or I'm going to build a new cabinet or I'm going to get into furniture making or I'm going to become a gardener, right? That's the famous start in our house. It's like we have an uncanny ability to kill things at the Griffin house. I mean, even the plants you're not supposed to be able to kill, right? The succulents, you don't got to do nothing. Just put a succulent, you don't even need to put it in dirt. You just said, you don't need to water it, nothing. Somehow we kill them, okay? But we still are committed to having, like, this house is full of greenery and stuff, so we keep starting by continuing to buy things that die, all right? But I, I started thinking about what does this mean to be a finisher, to, to actually really finish what I started. And so I started reading, I'm, Kind of, you know, I'm a starter, right? So I, I like to 
dive into things. And Liz will tell you that I'm like 100%. If I get focused on something, it's like all I see for, for about two or three months. Like if I get fired up about shoelaces, it's like I am every spare moment, I'm like researching shoelaces and I'm going to have brands of shoelaces you've never heard and I'm going to be telling you about them and you're not going to want to hear, but I don't care because all I can see is shoelaces because when I get focused on it, I'm about it, you know? So I start researching, what does it mean to be a finisher? Like, how do you do that? I stumbled upon this research project that was done at an Ivy League university studying people that finish ultra marathons. Okay, now we've got one person that cheered. Let me tell you why, okay? Because people that do ultras are stupid. All right, an ultra marathon is like a 100-mile race. Think about this. I don't even like to drive a 100 miles, let alone get geared up to run a 100 miles, okay? No, that is not human. All right, that's like something is wrong with you. So I'm reading this paper, fascinated that somebody would think and see a 100-mile race and go, that sounds like a great time. So I'm reading this, and so the whole paper was looking at this reality of these elite runners that do these ultra marathons. Why do some finish the race, and why do some not? Why did some people, their goal was to complete it, yet they fell Short, and so they looked into it, and, and here's the thing. It's not rocket science, actually, why some people finish and some people don't. It boiled down to two things, preparation and execution. Those who prepared, it said that those who finished the race ran a consistent 20-mile run all the time, which sounds terrible. And also, the other determinator was that they executed their race plan. They used their training in the actual race. So preparation and execution allowed these people to do what I don't even like to drive. And this morning, I, I want to talk to us on the topic of not wasting your strength. Not wasting your strength. If you're a note taker, which I hope you all are, because if you're not, I'm judging you right now, write on the top of your paper or pretend to, don't waste your strength. Don't waste your strength. Proverbs 31. How many of you are familiar with Proverbs 31? Familiar with the eight 800,000, 8 million resources on being a Proverbs 31 what? Woman, right? Be a P31. Go to Mardell's. There's a whole section on being a P31. T-shirts you can get. Journals. Stationery. Pins. Pendants. Charms. Bracelets. Rings. You name it. P31 reigns supreme about being a good, amazing solid woman, right? But that starts in verse 10. Anybody know what the first nine verses of Proverbs 31 is talking about? Being a man, being a homie, right? Being a P30, P31 dude, all right? But I want to zero in on the first nine verses of Proverbs 31 and dive into this topic of not wasting our strength. It says this. 
This is the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle of his mother who taught him. How many moms in the house thankful that somebody remembered what you said in your house? I mean, this would be a proud moment for a mom. Be like, for real? They remembered that? Wow, you know? For those of you who aren't parents, you don't get it. For those of you who are, you're like, amen. Oh, my son, oh, my son of my womb, the son of my vows. Aren't you thankful your parents don't talk to you like that, though? For real? <laughs> That'd be a little weird. Your mama calls you, oh, my son. Oh, my son of my womb. I'd be like, all right, this is weird. I'm out, mom. Love you. We're going to go back to text. Verse 3, do not spend your strength on women. Your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all of the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all those who are destitute, speak up for the, speak up and judge fairly, excuse me, and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Do not spend your strength on the things that ruin kings. Don't waste your strength. You know, if we dive back into this idea of those who finish the ultra marathons, Maybe the most fascinating thing for me when I was reading this 42-page research paper, that's how much of a dork I am, the most fascinating thing was this, is that not one person that they interviewed set out to quit. Think about that for a minute. Not one person who stood at the starting line of this ultra marathon said, you know what, I'm going to get to mile 48 and call it good. My goal is just to knock out 47 miles. That's it. Then I'm going to quit because I love to quit. Quitting's great. No, not one person said that. Every single person's goal at the beginning of the race was exactly the same. Was to finish the race. That was everybody's goal. Everyone set out to finish what they had prepared for, right? They had prepared, they had strengthened themselves, they had run miles to strengthen their bodies, strengthen their minds, so that they could then execute this goal of running an ultra marathon, yet not everyone hit their goal. And here was one of the main reasons that they didn't hit their goal. This blew my mind. Literally in the paper it said, they came out too fast and tried to show off. They came out too fast and tried to show off. And so when the pressure of mile 50 hit, they wasted their strength in mile one. And therefore, they were unable to finish what they had set out to do. Are you picking this up a little bit? God actually has given you the strength that you need to run the race that he set out for you, to throw off everything that hinders you, the sin that so easily entangles you, and to finish the race he's marked out for you. He's given you everything that you need to do that. Actually, in Second Peter, it says this in verse 3, his divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us to be his own glory and his goodness. So we have 
everything that we need, everything that is going to be needed inside of us to run the race that God's called us to run. So that means this, you're strong enough, you are strong enough to stop the things that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of. You're strong enough. You don't need to get stronger. You need to stop wasting your strength. I think that we find ourselves running into things that we feel that we cannot say no to because when we get there, we've wasted the strength that's been put inside of us. And so when the temptation comes, it crushes us versus us being able to stand up underneath it and say, that's not who I am anymore. The look of the devil and tell him, this is not who I am anymore. And you hear stuff like that, and you're like, nah, you don't understand my temptation. I actually believe that you're strong enough to say no to the things that are killing you. But we are in a habit of wasting our strength, spending our strength on things that ruin us. And so when it comes down to it, we don't have the strength that we need to finish the race that's been marked out for us. And you find yourself sometimes at the end of your story looking back and saying, this is not what I thought my story was going to be. When I set out to do this, I did not think that I would end up here because potentially we've maybe wasted our strength. And this is what's hard for all of us to hear. Maybe we're destroying our story on the things that are ruining us. I really believe that there is enough of Jesus to bring freedom to anything that you're going through. I believe that. I actually want to do this. I want to do it a little experiment. I want you, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, then in your mind, I want you to think about that one thing that you feel like has a strong hold on you. And write it down and look at it. Look at it. It's not bigger than Jesus. It's not bigger than the cross. It's not even stronger than you. But we waste our strength. We waste it. So when that thing that has a stronghold on us, that has a hold on us strong, that we feel like we can't escape, when we look at it, we don't feel like we have the strength to fight it. So we end up making compromises and, and, and literally saying to ourselves, maybe I'm the only person that said this, I would rather just do what I'm tempted to do so I can stop dealing with this temptation. Doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. You are strong enough. God has given you everything. Say everything. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. Everything, not some of thing. Everything. That means that if you're in a temptation right now, here's the great news. The Bible says that there's no temptation that comes at us that is stronger than our ability to withstand it. That God does not allow temptations to come. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Isn't that encouraging? Think about that. No temptation 
has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that you can endure it. So how do we begin to get our strength back? If we are strong enough and if we are wasting our strength, so when we read passages of scripture like that, you're thinking, yeah, right, not me. What is the missing link? And and this is what I would propose to us this morning is that if we get our mind back, we're going to get our strength back. If we get our mind back, we're going to get our strength back. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the mind is a powerful thing. It's amazing because, you know, if you put your fists together and held them together, that's the size of your brain approximately. And we can measure your brain, we can weigh your brain, we can find the circumference of your brain, but we cannot measure your mind. Because inside of your brain, it's made up of literally a hundred million neurons that represent a hundred trillion pathways. So you have an infinite ability to dream and think and learn, although... Your mind itself, your brain, excuse me, your brain can be measured. Your mind cannot be measured. So your brain holds something that is bigger than itself. Is that not fascinating? Is that not fascinating? That inside of you is the ability to dream and think almost anything into reality. This is why goals are important, right? This is why we think forward because oftentimes we have to dream into where we're going to move past where we are. This is also why sometimes your kids or maybe you are convinced that there's somebody in your closet at night when it's dark. Because your mind has the ability to create things that you see. So if you convince your mind that something is there, then you are convinced that something is there. Is this just me? Is anybody else scared of the dark? Come on now. All right, it happens where I'm walking through my house and I'm like, I think somebody is coming down the stairs. Who would it be? I don't know. Did anybody come in? No. Are the kids asleep? Yes, I think, I hope. If not, I'm going to spank some butts. But who is coming down the stairs? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is walking down the stairs right now? And I walk over to the stairs in fear and trembling and find out what? There ain't nothing there. But I was convinced that something was there because my mind created a pathway that created a reality. And so how I thought became what I saw. So inside of you holds the ability, the brilliance to be able to create, to dream, to see things that aren't as though they are. But the broken, deprived side of that is that sometimes we create realities that rob us and destroy the story that God wants to tell in us and through us, if we get our mind back, we'll get our strength back. Let's get really, really practical. What if it is fear, right? What, what if your hang-up is fear? 
and, and you get tempted with fear, and you're walking through your house, or you're walking down the street, or you're terrified about life, and, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and it paralyzes you, how do we not waste our strength on something like fear? Fear begins really, it begins really clear to see how we can waste our strength when you think about fear, right? Because you have all had moments, at least I have definitely had moments, where I've been so terrified about what could happen that I felt like I couldn't even live through today. I created such a world in my mind about what could happen, what might happen, the terrible scenario that might go down, the vain imagination of what these people are thinking about me, and it's become so real to me that when I actually try to live out today, I'm consumed by what I'm thinking. My mind has hijacked my ability to dream. So what do I do? How do I get my mind back? If I'm wasting my strength on things that are ruining me, how do I get my mind back? I think we get a clue in Matthew 5, 27, when Jesus says, the law of Moses says not to commit adultery, but I say that even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus is saying what you think is just as critical as what you do because what you think is going to set up what you do. And this is why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 becomes a critical piece of the puzzle for us this morning as we're tacking this idea of not wasting our strength. It says, for though, excuse me, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds to demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive. Take it captive. When you begin to have a thought that is tempting you to waste your strength, take it captive. So how do you do that? How do you replace a thought that is loaded with a lie, with truth, that has the ability to restore. It's simple. When you get hit with fear, when you don't understand what, how tomorrow is going to make sense and you get so overwhelmed and lost in the anxiety of what if you come to Jeremiah 29 and 11 and you say, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And you begin to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to be anxious about tomorrow because God knows the plans that he has for me. And those are good plans. So I can then lean a little bit further and say that God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. And so you begin to take captive the thoughts that are wasting our strength. When it comes to this emotion of fear, this, this kind of downward spiral of the worst case scenarios. But what about like lust and pornography? Let's get real real quick. This is destroying us as a nation. It's destroying us. It's robbing us of our strength unlike anything else that's going on in the world. So what do you do? How do you break the back of pornography? How do you break the back of lust. 
when you get tempted, don't try to will your way out of it. Take the thought captive. Don't grip the front of the seat and be like, no, I'm not going to do it. Say, God, I can't not do it. So I'm going to take this thought captive, and I'm going to replace this lie with truth. And every time I get tempted, I'm going to change it around and use that temptation as a reminder that I have weapons inside of me that can demolish strongholds if I just get my thoughts under control then my actions are going to follow it and so I feel desperate right now but I'm going to be able to say no because I'm going to change my thoughts from thinking about this to dwelling on truth and I'm going to say 2 Timothy 2.22 flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I'm going to begin to say, you know what, this is not who I am. I'm going to flee from this. And I'm going to pursue righteousness. And I'm going to pursue love. And this, every time I get tempted to do the very thing that is ruining me, that's wasting my strength, that's enabling me from not being able to do the things I feel like God has called me to do, to not run the race that God has called me to run, I find myself in a situation that I did not intend to be take your thoughts captive. Get your mind back. Get your mind back and you'll get your strength back. And then we'll be able to look back. We'll be able to look back and say, I ran the race. I ran the race that was marked out for me. I did what God called me to do. I didn't waste my strength on the things that ruined kings, but I leveraged my strength to see the kingdom of heaven advance in me. And what happens in me happens outside of me. Let's get our strength back. Let's not waste our strength. This series that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks is called I'm Done. I'm Done. And we're going to be tackling this, the reality that there are things that are killing us, that are robbing us of the strength that God has given us to see the dreams of God happen through us. And I believe God wants to raise up a freedom house, a place where people learn to take thoughts captive and the things that they're sick and tired of, of the things that they're sick and tired of actually being sick and tired of, that God becomes the victor, the champion. He walks into the room. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Let's not waste our strength. Let's fight for our minds so our thoughts can be His thoughts, so we can do what He's called us to do. Amen? Let's stand again.